If a man isn't free to say what he thinks in the way he wants to say it, if political correctness or hate speech or whatever, whatever, if a man can't even express himself the way he thinks it, is he free? You know, and what they do first is they restrict your speech because if they restrict your speech, then they can start to restrict your thoughts. If you're not allowed to ever say it, then you're probably not going to think it so often. This is why it's done on purpose. So I don't think that society is very free at all. And I think that in, in regards to keeping our employment, keeping our money coming in, making sure we don't lose our social medias, every single person has to censor themselves to some degree. And I try very, very best to skirt that line you know, as far as possible. So I feel free. Freedom is the ability to scream when you want to scream, be angry when you want to be angry, smile when you want to smile, say what you want, do what you want. And and that's a very, very rare commodity in the modern world. That's extremely rare. So, so I grew up around professional chess players, which is kind of an unusual climate to grow up in because you're growing up around all these ultra-intelligent, semi-autistic, they're weirdos, right? You, you can't be, you can't be that good at chess and be normal, right? It's the, they're like human calculators. They're all a bit strange. And you have ex-KGB members and like math nerds. And it's just a very weird kind of climate. And my father was a chess master, but my father was very unique because my father was also a professional wrestler and had physicality. So you have like a bunch of dorks. Then you have my dad, this big black dude, and he's like competing in the chess world. So I grew up in a very kind of strange world and I was a professional chess player. I was on my path to being a professional chess player at the age of five. I was the state chess champion for Indiana, and I was the best-ranked player under the age of 10, and I was on my way. So I played chess for the early part of my life, and then at the age of 11, my mother and father split up. My mom took me back to uh, Luton. Great place. Lovely. Mm-hmm. So so from the age of 11, I grew up in Luton. So that's the very beginning of the story. And uh, a lot's happened between now and then, and here I am. So, so for a while, I was kind of lost, I would say. I had four hours free a day that I never used to previously have. And, uh, I mean, I didn't get into too much trouble or too much mischief, but I was certainly a bit, how can I replace this thing I used to do all of the time? What did you replace it with? I ended up replacing it with fighting. Yeah, from a young age? From from around about 15, 16, I started kickboxing. And I think that fighting and chess are extremely similar. To me, they, they aligned. They fulfilled the same gaps in my psyche, right? People always say, how did you go from being a chess player, which everyone sees as geeky, to a kickboxer? And I said, well, chess is chess is one-on-one battle, right? That's all it is. There's no luck involved. There's no team. There's no wind that can blow the ball. There's no, you know, it's one-on-one. It's a fight. If you lose, you messed up. And fighting feels the same for me. So for me, I thought, well, okay, I, I can't learn chess well enough without a coach. And I can't find a coach in the UK who I trust to teach me chess, but I can find a coach who can teach me to kick people's ass. So that's kind of how, how it started. Fighting's kind of weird, right? Every I think if you talk to any fighter, everyone who starts, I mean... Lots of people say they had aspirations of being the world title, the world champion at the beginning. I just turned up to training one step at a time, right? I just wanted to be good. So my coach said, you have to train seven times a week. Okay. So I just obeyed. I was just a worker ant. I just did as I was told. And then you win and you win again and you win again and you get a title shot, you win. And before you know it, you get up there. My first ever world title fight was on three days notice. So someone pulled out and I had three days notice. I had to lose nine kilo in three days. I turned up, obviously was completely destroyed from the weight cut. Everyone expected me to lose. And uh, I won. But they gave the... De- and I'll say I won because I did win. They gave the decision to the other guy. It was in France. And it was in Paris. And it was me against the French world champion. They gave it to him. But I whooped his ass, right? And we submitted the video to the ISKA, the organization. And they demanded a rematch. Because it was so obvious I won. And we fought again. And without the big weight cut problem, I, I, I knocked him out in the air. It was good. But you know, like, I don't ever feel like I'm satisfied. I never, like, won the world title. But yes, I'm the champ now. It's just like, okay, next. 
next, next. I was, I was kind of always like that. I always had these aspirations. I've always kind of felt, without sounding like a crazy conspiracy theorist, even now to this day, I feel. maybe Correct me, you're a smart man. So maybe this will make sense to you. Do you ever look around you and just look at the world and feel like, Kind of like we're in the Matrix. Like there's something missing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was always looking for this secret. I was always looking for, I wouldn't say happiness or contentment, but I was always looking to try and break out of the nine to five, just the normal monotony of day to day life. And, and, and I, and for a long time, I thought fighting was my way out. I don't know what I was trying to get to. I don't know where it was going to lead. But when I just look at the normal life a lot of people live, that is, just absolutely depressing to me. Yeah. Like, I couldn't imagine doing it. I'm not shitting on the normal guy. I'm saying you're a stronger man than me. Because if I was a normal dude working in Starbucks, bro, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that day to day. I literally could not do that. And I thought fighting will make sure I never have to do that. You're de- I'm dedicating all my time to fighting, which is actually the reason I retired. I retired for four years. I came back last year and I fought three times. But uh, I actually retired because one day I woke up and I looked at my life and I thought, I'm giving seven hours a day to fighting. If I were to put seven hours a day into something else, what else could I achieve? Because I had a little bit of money from fighting, but I wasn't balling. I wasn't rich, rich. And I thought, what's the point in being the world champion if I can't buy Lambos on the debit card, right? What's the point? So then I thought, well, I want to be rich now. So that's that's actually the reason I retired. So I was always chasing other things. And then now I've got money, I want to fight again. I'm, I'm never happy, bro. This is how it goes, right? You're always chasing something else. But I do feel like to a degree, I have at least partially escaped the matrix I used to be talking about. So that that's the story. So for anyone watching this who doesn't know my story, I'm fighting. I became four-time world champion. Uh, I was 28 when I won my fourth world title. And one day I woke up and I literally just woke up. I looked at my bank. I like, I mean, I just won a world title fight, but I hadn't fought in six months. By the time I paid all my back rent and paid my car payments, all that, I looked at my bank. I had like three grand, four grand in there. And I'm like, I'm giving up my entire life and I, I don't even know how I'm going to live. I need to get rich. I want to get rich. So I said to my coach, look, I'm going to take a couple months off and I'm going to focus purely on money. And the story is, and this is a completely true story. I'm sitting with my brother and I'm like, how can we get rich? You know, what's amazing. Lots of now I have money. Lots of people always ask me, how do I get rich? And I say, when's the last time you've talked about money? When's the last time you sat down with your friends and refused to talk about anything else? but how to make money. How are you making money? How are you making money? How am I making money? How can we make money together? How's that guy making money? How's that coffee shop there making money? Is that coffee shop making money? I don't know. Do they sell cake? No. Why don't they sell cake? Everyone in here is a businessman. If they had a, a cute young waitress, a girl, instead of a guy, they'd probably sell more coffee. Like no one analyzes anything. They just want to get rich, right? I want to be rich, but they have no plan to get rich. And a hope and a plan are very different things. I explain this to people all the time. Everyone has a dream, but no one has a plan. And nothing good is going to happen on accident, right? I didn't become world champion on accident. I didn't wake up and someone go, how'd you become world champion? And I went, oops, you, you have to plan for it. So I said to Tristan, we need to discuss money. We need to plan this and we need to work out a way we can get rich. And that's when I started analyzing and understanding banks and the, the, the credit system and the money system, how the world actually works. And then I got really pissed off because I realized that money isn't real and it's all a scam. <laughs> and then the banks are destroying us in real time with inflation. And I still don't have any. So I was really mad. And uh, I'm writing down, I was reading, I was watching some YouTube videos, like financial advice, and we're talking about assets, liabilities, etc. And I'm writing down all my assets and I'm trying to work out what I have that's worth money. And the only thing I wrote down, because I had a car, but what's that worth? Nothing. I'm, I'm big and strong, but I'm already fighting. I can't think of anything else to do with that. 
The only thing I had was, because I'd been fighting all around the world, I had these six girlfriends, right? Because you'd win the world title, you fuck a ring girl, she falls in love with you, you're the big millionaire in London, of course, she thinks, she thinks you're living the balling life, you're in some <laughs> tiny, tiny apartment with a door lock. So, um, I had these girlfriends, and I thought, well, I can't open a strip club, it costs money to open a strip club. And I'm kind of racking my brain, and by absolute coincidence, I'm going around the internet, and I saw in the corner, talk to live girls now. And I'd never in my life, like, I was never a porn guy. I've never been watching porn or clicking on these things. And I said, talk to live girls. So I clicked on it, and there's some chick there on a computer, like, hi. And I was like, my girls can do that. So that, that was the very beginning. That was the eureka moment. I walked into my, my brother's bedroom, and I said, we're going to start a webcam company. That was the beginning of it all. If you teach young men how to go out there and become rich as possible, it's very difficult they can do that without learning some degree of mental fortitude, without learning how to speak to people, without learning how to network, without learning how to be competent and disciplined and motivated and work hard. And then they do all that, they have enough money so that when someone comes along and says, take this injection, they'll say, no, I don't want to take the injection, I'd rather miss the flight. So there is a key component of resistance which actually involves materialism. I'll argue that if I was exactly the same person with the same viewpoints, but I was completely and utterly flat broke, I wouldn't be able to make the same impact on the world. And I wouldn't be able to resist the programming the same because I need to eat food. So I'd actually counter argue any conservative who's complaining about my beautiful car collection of 42, not one, 42 nice cars, that having a lot of money is actually an important way to resist the matrix. I can only talk from personal experience, but the number of times, especially during COVID, for example, where I managed to not have to comply with any of the laws simply because I was loaded, was, I can't even name one, I, on t- t- 10 hands. So materialism is important. I think we should be teaching, especially the young boys, especially people who understand who want to live in a very rational world, who want to live in a world which is based on common sense and dignity and honor and respect and all the things we're trying to teach through conservatism, is that if they don't have a degree of fin- financial stability or financial independence, they're going to end up getting wrecked anyway. They're going to work for wo- Woke Corp. And Woke Corp's going to change its Twitter picture or X picture, whatever it's called now, to a pride flag, and they're going to be screwed anyway. So you have to be teaching to a degree financial independence. I don't know why that's seen as a bad thing. I'd actually really like to argue that point with who was complaining about my car. Sure. Let's talk about the Matrix. Before we that, before we do that, let's talk about this recent conservative attack. I want to make it clear that I don't watch basically any of the attack videos made on me. I'm I'm busy. And I'm very happy with my life, and I don't allow attacks on my psyche. If somebody makes a video that attacks me, I don't watch it. I don't watch it because I don't want to watch it because I don't care. I don't watch them either. I don't care. And I don't say this to insult Liz or anyone else. I don't know them enough or respect them enough to give a shit what they make or what they say. I don't care. So I can't talk about the specifics of what she said because I don't know what she said because I didn't watch it. Who is the Matrix and what is the Matrix as a whole? I have to be very careful what I say and... I don't want to get in too much trouble, but I think anybody who is perspicacious enough to understand how the world works understands that the media machine is trying very hard to keep us convinced, to keep us convinced of certain ideas and also to keep us arguing about very unimportant ideas so people behind the media machine who decide what goes on the news can do whatever they want to do. And those, the things they do usually have dire consequences to all of our lives. Right. So I would say that the matrix as a whole is the media machine from the projection point of view. And that the people who control the media try very hard to make sure they have ultimate control over all governments and all important decisions on the planet. Kind of evil and scary that these people have a worldview which is so logically flawed, is so devoid of genuine rationale 
that they have to go to the most susceptible subsect of the population to inject it. And I just think it's an unfortunate of the human condition that people don't really like to learn lessons the easy way. They have to learn them the very hard way. And it's very difficult for us to sometimes sit and tell people the truth and even, and they just don't want to learn it until it's too late. I like, I'm an emotional man. I think, I think men are hyper emotional. We just have to control it. I was extremely busy inside of my jail cell. I had lots of push-ups to do. I was very concerned about the people on the outside. I was trying my best to get out. It's difficult for me to answer the question because it was a interesting frame of mind. I knew that God was watching and I had to perform. It's very difficult for me to go through life saying I'm the top G, I'm this, I'm that, and speak about mental resilience and mental toughness, and then the second I'm thrown inside of a solitary confinement cell, cower out. I'm not that person. There's, is, some other, there's some other people who talk about mental toughness and want to give advice. And when bad things happen to them, they end up addicted to prescription drugs. I'm not a coward. And I'm not a liar. No. I was emotional. I missed people. I missed them. And I knew they missed me. So I felt a long, I felt a strong sense of missing. But you cried. There were tears that ran down my face, but I did not cry. Oh, that's a perfectly fine scenario to cry in. But I think the act of crying is an act of desperation to sit and to cry is an act in and of itself. To do push-ups thinking of your children with tears running down your face, but you're concerned with finishing as many push-ups as possible within that day, I do not consider that crying. I consider that tears running down your face. Power and responsibility go hand in hand. And that's the thing that's so interesting. These out-of-date clips, and they want to talk about these things from 10 years ago. At the time when I was talking to camera, those videos were made for private circulation initially. Secondly, I wasn't trying to educate the world in anything back then. I didn't have the kind of power and influence I have back then. The way you say something to a video which has 50 viewers has to be different than the way you say something to a video that has 50 million viewers. Mm. Power and responsibility absolutely go together, and I understand that very well, and I understand the power I have. And I do believe I'm now an absolute force for good in the world, and I'm far more careful with how I'll project myself with certain ideas. Absolutely agree, completely. If you teach young men how to go out there and become rich as possible, it's very difficult they can do that without learning some degree of mental fortitude, without learning how to speak to people, without learning how to network, without learning how to be competent and disciplined and motivated and work hard. And then they do all that, they have enough money so that when someone comes along and says, take this injection, they'll say, no, I don't want to take the injection, I'd rather miss the flight. So there is a key component of resistance which actually involves materialism. I'll argue that if I was exactly the same person with the same viewpoints, but I was completely and utterly flat broke, I wouldn't be able to make the same impact on the world. And I wouldn't be able to resist the programming the same because I need to eat food. So I'd actually counter argue any conservative who's complaining about my beautiful car collection of 42, not one, 42 nice cars, that having a lot of money is actually an important way to resist the matrix. I can only talk from personal experience, but the number of times, especially during COVID, for example, where I managed to not have to comply with the laws simply because I was loaded, it was, I can't even name one, I, 10 hands. So materialism is important. I think we should be teaching, especially the young boys, especially people who understand who want to live in a very rational world, who want to live in a world which is based on common sense and dignity and honor and respect and all the things we're trying to teach through conservatism is that if they don't have a degree of financial stability or financial independence, they're going to end up getting wrecked anyway. They're going to work for Woke Corp. And Woke Corp's going to change its Twitter picture or X picture, whatever it's called now, to a pride flag, and they're going to be screwed anyway. So you have to be teaching to a degree financial independence. I don't know why that's seen as a bad thing. I'd actually really like to argue that point with who was complaining about my car. Sure. Let's talk about the Matrix. Before we that, before we do that, let's talk about this recent conservative attack. I want to make it clear that I don't watch basically any of the attack videos made on me. I'm I'm busy. And I'm very happy with my life and I don't allow attacks on my psyche. If somebody makes a video that attacks me, I don't watch it. 
I don't watch it because I don't want to watch it because I don't care. I don't watch them either. I don't care. And I don't say this to insult Liz or anyone else. I don't know them enough or respect them enough to give a shit what they make or what they say. I don't care. So I can't talk about the specifics of what she said because I don't know what she said because I've been watching it. Who is the Matrix and what is the Matrix as a whole? I have to be very careful what I say and I don't want to get in too much trouble. But I think anybody who is perspicacious enough to understand how the world works understands that the media machine is trying very hard to keep us convinced, to keep us convinced of certain ideas and also to keep us arguing about very unimportant ideas so people behind the media machine who decide what goes on the news can do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. And those, the things they do usually have dire consequences to all of our lives. Right. So I would say that the matrix as a whole is the media machine from the projection point of view. And that the people who control the media try very hard to make sure they have ultimate control over all governments and all important decisions on the planet. Kind of evil and scary that these people have a worldview which is so logically flawed, so devoid of genuine rationale that they have to go to the most susceptible subsect of the population to inject it. And I just think it's an unfortunate of the human condition that people don't really like to learn lessons the easy way. They have to learn them the very hard way. And it's very difficult for us to sometimes sit and tell people the truth and even, and they just don't want to learn it until it's too late. I like, I'm an emotional man. I think, I think men are hyper emotional. We just have to control it. I was extremely busy inside of my jail cell. I had lots of push-ups to do. I was very concerned about the people on the outside. I was trying my best to get out. It's difficult for me to answer the question because it was a interesting frame of mind. I knew that God was watching and I had to perform. It's very difficult for me to go through life saying I'm the top G, I'm this, I'm that, and speak about mental resilience and mental toughness, and then the second I'm thrown inside of a solitary confinement cell, cower out. I'm not that person. There's, some, it, other, there's some other people who talk about mental toughness and want to give advice, and when bad things happen to them, they end up addicted to prescription drugs. I'm not a coward and I'm not a liar. No. I was emotional. I missed people. I missed them, and I knew they missed me. So I felt a long, I felt a strong sense of missing. But you cried. There were tears that ran down my face, but I did not cry. I mean, that's crying. Oh, that's a perfectly fine scenario to cry in, but I think the act of crying is an act of desperation to sit and to cry is an act in and of itself. To do push-ups thinking of your children with tears running down your face, but you're concerned with finishing as many push-ups as possible within that day, I do not consider that crying. I consider that tears running down my face. Power and responsibility go hand in hand. And that's the thing that's so interesting, these out-of-date clips, and they want to talk about these things from 10 years ago. At the time when I was talking to the camera, those videos were made for private circulation initially. Secondly, I wasn't trying to educate the world on anything back then. I didn't have the kind of power and influence I have back then. The way you say something to a video which has 50 viewers has to be different than the way you say something to a video that has 50 million viewers. Power and responsibility absolutely go together, and I understand that very well, and I understand the power I have. And I do believe I'm now an absolute force for good in the world, and I'm far more careful with how I'll project myself with certain ideas. Absolutely agree, completely. 